Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I cut off my morning process at a certain point. It happened in September. My dad passed away in September. By December, I had signed up for a half marathon. I remember the whole <laughs> To raise money for beating bowel cancer. I hadn't been mourning for two months. Yeah. And I was training for a half marathon. What the hell was I doing? But I did that because um, I wanted to take control Wait, again. I thought it was even earlier, you know. What do you mean? The half marathon. Oh, you signed no, up. I signed Sorry, up you signed up. December, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was two yeah, yeah. months later on, yeah. that I signed up. Um, and it's because I wanted to regain control. And so at that point, what I said to myself was, follow. Logic. Yeah. Let's get into our logic. Yeah. And I guess you're re-channeling that kind of energy. Yeah. yeah. And I'd spent so much time being so intensely sad that, that I remember actually another thing that was interesting that I still think about that happened was um, I stopped speaking. Mm. So there was maybe like two days I did not speak. Good evening, good morning. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm back. She's back. Welcome back, Ricky. Thank you. I've missed you. Have you missed me? I have. Generally. I feel a bit nervous, actually. Really? I feel like, um, you know, when like in school you had a 60s holiday and you come back. Really? You don't know who's your friend anymore. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, does anyone know? I feel like gone. you're a guest. Like, are you comfortable? Yeah. Do you want to drink of water? <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like, oh god, I'm a bit nervous. Are you nervous? Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. Are you actually serious? You're yeah, I feel a tad nervous. Wow, I feel like I've been out of the just loop. for one week. One week out of the loop. I'm yeah, I'm like, what's going on? What's new? It was really weird to record without you. Like, uh, really you had weird. Edward, no. It was a really good episode. I Thank really enjoyed you. it. Yeah. Thank you. We need to get out of here. We do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We do. It's so inspiring. funny when you. <laughs> When you said to me, so you're leaving at the end of the year, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, about that. Yes, I listened to the podcast and then full at the end was like, yeah, so like at this end, end of the year, like I'm look, looking to leave the UK. And I was like, uh, the pause? <laughs> I was wetting myself when you said that. No, we're going to work out. We're going to work out. Okay, so, sure. Nothing is set in stone yet, but that's just the, that's my freedom day. That's for what actually happens after that. Mm. We'll see. You yeah. can take me with you if you want. Absolutely. Let's go together. <laughs> All we need go. is a microphone, baby. Exactly. That's Come what on. we need. Let's explore the world. Yeah. Well, I'm Fola. <coughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. I'm Rakia. <laughs> and welcome back to episode 19 of Wait, Wait Am I, I Toxic? toxic? Um, so you're still a bit ill. Yeah, I'm you. still a bit ill, you know. I'm not going to lie. Bless I'm going to really try and not continue to cough. Um, what on earth? But I just feel like, this? you know, it's like on the edges. Like, <gasps> yeah. What now, is this thing? The flu. Is it actually a flu though? Yeah. It's weird that I didn't catch it. Because I've spent so much time with you. Yeah, I know. That's so weird. No, I was just literally And it's lasting so long. I know, I know. I was so sick. 
um, but yeah, we're at the end of it now. We thank the Lord. We thank the Lord. Don't be coughing too much in everybody's ears. Well, it's inevitable. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, I won't be away from the mic. <laughs> oh, no, I'm joking. It's fine. You're going to have to deal with it. Yeah. Oh, how are you? I am good. I moved out by myself. I live alone. This is the biggest announcement and celebration of my life. Like, <laughs> I can't explain how excited I am for you. Yeah, I live alone. You're going to be living all alone. Oh, I can't in believe your it. own shiny You know what's so funny? With no furniture. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a grind though. Like, people always build themselves up with furniture. Yeah. And I was saying to you, I prefer when people do up their houses gradually. Because yeah. I did the complete opposite and I rushed to furnish my house because I was like, I just wanted to be done. But it meant that I cut corners in certain places and I did, I got things that like aren't my perfect, perfect yeah. ideal. But it's just cute though. Thanks. But it's like, it's like making it work version. Yeah, cute. I get it. Whereas people who take their time, like uh, there's some, there's a girl that I know um, and she literally would buy one big purchase per month. She was so patient mm. and everything in her house is such good quality and just looks well thought out as well. Very well thought out. Yeah, everything yeah. is perfectly placed and like, I'm, I envy that. And obviously, I'm now going to redo everything. But it's like, why did I waste so much money mm. doing a like shoddy-ish job? Yeah. When I could have taken my time like that. So I think you should do it. The, the I'm definitely going to do that. But yeah. yeah, no, I'm super happy to have my own space. God is good. Um, yeah, and just a disclaimer as well. Like, I think for me personally, I've had a lot of like difficulties with housing and stuff. And whenever I've heard that somebody's moved out by themselves or... Mm. Um, has, has bought a house or anything Sometimes I'm like I look at myself And like Oh Yeah Like I want to be that And I just want to tell you guys I've struggled You've actually done A lot time. Yeah. And I'm still struggling Like it's not easy To just move out by yourself mm. um, And like pay bills and stuff So yeah Just a cheeky disclaimer Obviously it's, it's a celebration for me it's And absolutely I'm proud of myself And like yeah. I'm looking forward to it But don't compare yourself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not. It's important. It's the struggle is real. We we all know what London is. Yeah, it's London so is bloody hard. hard. It's ridiculous. To get a place for yourself. Yeah. It's very difficult. And I'm living in the sticks. So yeah. but it's lovely. Yeah. So. All the glitter is not gold. Um, but I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what that matters. Yeah, I'm really, really And happy. you're making progress. Like yeah. it's been such a journey for you. Yeah, such a journey. And this triumph, hmm. <laughs> the way we're gonna celebrate is not a joke. We must celebrate. and we should have a little party. I've, of yeah. course Got a Chris in the house I've got a bottle of um, Moe that I need to pop Jeez I've had it for like that, two years You've actually been It's actually embarrassing How long you've had that moe Do you know what it's As though it's like Fine wine That you're trying to age <laughs> It's been in a tin And I always forget That there's actually Something in it Yeah so like, Let me it's just decorate Pop it in the fridge You better Yeah We're pop bottles Pop bottles To top it yeah. up Yeah I'm going to twerk in my windows Oh my gosh Nah, we're actually going to turn up. <laughs> the turn up is real. You know I, you know me, I believe in celebrating. Yeah, you do. So you we're do. not going to let this pass. All right, cool. Yeah. Let's go. But yeah, no, um, I'm good. How's I've been sick. Been? Like, it's been a difficult period, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not my deathbed or anything. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. just the flu. Yeah. Um, But you know, you've re- I tend to feel really sorry for myself sometimes really? when I'm sick. I'm just like, I'm oh, so bless sick. You. And I'm just... I'm and dead. I can't do anything. <laughs> we take um, good health for granted, though. Yeah, we so really do. We do. But yeah, no, I'm good. I am okay. How are you? Because apparently, I never asked you how you are. Yeah, you never do. <laughs> I was literally looking at you the whole time. I was thinking, mm-hmm. <laughs> when she wraps up, let's see what she does. <laughs> let's see what she asks. No, yeah. Um, 
I don't have anything notable to say Other than did The this... week did not eat me Yay! up It didn't <laughs> It actually hasn't eaten Thank me up fuck. Genuinely it's so funny um, <laughs> Debbie messaged me the other day Like I am crying at the beginning of this new episode <laughs> And I thought she was talking about something else She was like no The fact that you, you say every week that the week ate yes. me up I was like oh <laughs> Yes Every week I've taken a mental note to Life never is say hard Life is hard But this week It's been fine Like mm-hmm. I've actually had a reasonably good week. Over the weekend, uh, what did I do? I went out one night. Went to a party, right? On Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I was hung over as hell on Monday. Still had fun though. Yeah. Um, Really? In the evening, my friend came over, we had fun. And then (laughs) um, on, what did I do on Saturday? No, on Sunday morning. Saturday, sorry. I did a 10K run. Ooh. 9K actually. That's when me and you. Oh, I was was with you. Yeah, yeah. And then we had our, our little chill sesh. Yeah, then Sunday I went out. Then Sunday morning, sorry, I played tennis with the girls. Oh, yeah. So now we, we're playing tennis again. You know, I love tennis. It's fun. Yeah, well done. Um, But my body was broken. <laughs> On Monday, the way my bum and my legs felt like rocks. And it's weird because I kind of forgot that I'd done all of that to my body over the weekend. So I was just like, what is wrong with me? Then I remember. I feel like your gains go to your legs and your bum. They like do. you got a rock bum. I have a rock it's stern. Bum. Even today on my run, um, I I got like a cramp, but mm. then I stopped. It wasn't a cramp. My legs were just so tight. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a cramp at all. My legs were just so tight. It felt like this table, like it was so tight. So yeah, my my gains definitely do go to my legs. And bum. No, I love that. Um, work is work. Yeah. Um, and what else is there? At the moment, I'm kind of really craving adventure, like. Mm. I feel really bored of London. Like, bored in a... Not, like, cripplingly bored. I'm still doing things. I have motives or whatever, but... New things. You something co- you're kind of coasting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, things that are really going to get my senses going mm. and feel like spicy in my life. Something to look forward to. I haven't got that at the moment. Trip in the UK? Or do you want to get out? Uh, I want to get out, but I'll, t- I'll take a trip in the UK. Like, mm. Funnily enough, I'm actually down to do kind of wholesome things. So, like, on... On the weekend, I'm going to... Um, oh, you got plans now? Yeah. yeah oh, nice. Yeah. What you do? Going to a couple of exhibitions. Nice. And that's something that I've wanted to do because I usually do that kind of thing. There's like loads of stuff at the moment. There's loads yeah, going loads. On. But I've not been doing any of that because I've been so busy and just partying. Mm. Um, and for me, like, I like uh, nurturing my creative side and, yeah. and my senses in that way. And so that's felt like a void that I need to fill now. So I'm excited about that. Um, gonna play tennis. I might go out on Friday night, but oi, oi. I don't Where care to? about the motive that much. I'm not gonna lie. I won't say the motive because oh, I yeah. just said that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those motives that's like you're probably gonna see all the same faces, and I just uh, oh, I think I saw the fly through on Instagram. Yeah, actually. there we go. And I'm tired of being hungover for the same night, mm. not doing it. So I might not go out. What else am I doing? Spending Easter with my family. I'm gonna make a carrot cake for that. Monday, I'm gonna go to Ooh. a pottery class with. Ooh. Fiona and Sheila. Very nice. Wholesome Wait, things. You feel like you've got a thousand and one yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know me, I don't waste time. And a few hours ago, you had no plans. You were just like, yeah, I'm not doing I anything. I was like, what the hell? Why am I not doing anything on the four day weekend? And yeah, now we're making stuff happen. Oh, lovely. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Oh, I want to yeah. stay off Instagram. Today, I, was, I had a daydream and I was like, basically, I was listening to Meet Us After Seven mm. and they were talking about how, um, on social media, there was a room that 
somebody did for Sasha and oh, Krebs, Krebs yeah, to say, yeah. oh, why is he paying half or whatever? Yeah. And they were just talking about how messy it is. Like, why are we so concerned with other people's lives? And it's specifically in our community. And they were saying how they think Twitter spaces should just end because we, as a concept, it's great, but we aren't using it properly yeah, for some reason. Shouting. And it made me think about like, what on earth is the reason that we're so interested in other people's lives, our community specifically, in a way that's so messy and bored. And I thought... Do you think? I feel like everybody else is obsessed with everybody's lives, but I mean, the, the topics that we speak about in the black community, the that's what jars me more than anything. And it's, it's, it's how far we're willing to go because I think <laughs> yeah. people in their private lives... Yeah. We, I, I'm not saying I'm above Googling a celebrity and, you know, digging into their lives and preying them on social media, but to create a Twitter space yeah. to say we're going to discuss their children's Nursery Was it not even on Clubhouse? No, it was was Twitter Spaces, uh, yeah And I was thinking You know me, I I tried to go to the next level Like the next layer of (laughs) Why? Why is this happening? I thought, it's because we're all bored Yeah, We go home after work and we say Let me open up Twitter and Instagram Nobody's doing stuff to actually like Nurture other parts of their mind And Mm. and explore, Mm. explore a little bit We have very things Certain things that are just very normal to us That we all do Mm. Um and things outside of that are like, you're different if you do that. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. I guess in the black community, I feel like a lot of us kind of hypothetically speak about things that maybe oh, we, we feel like we don't have access to. So for example, like a lot of people in those rooms, like obviously by no fault of their own, they probably can't afford nursery fees of yeah. like 1,600 per month. Yeah, yeah. So like you're there discussing things you can't even afford. And it's, <laughs> it's just mad. Yeah. And I, I think that's another part of it of like the riches, like wealth, of a certain level mm. is a really foreign concept for a lot of people. Mm. And so it's almost like a, a form of fantasizing. Like yeah. we love doing this whole, if it were me, boy. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's not even 100 pounds in your account. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, it's easy to spend money that isn't yours yeah. in your mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah. It's but really, it's, really strange. Ugh. Anyway, it throws me off. Um, so yeah, I think we should do more oh. things. <laughs> the the reason that I'm complaining is because I think we should just do more. Okay. So you're off social things. media. Absolutely not. You're not going to take any videos of the exhibition? Of course I'm going like, to take I'm, so, I'm so cultured. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, so cultured. cultured. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're tagging the tape. <laughs> I'm so cultured. That's actually going to be me. I'm different. <laughs> <laughs> At least you won't... Um, oh, you know, me- I'm just going to talk about black boys because they all do it when they go to an exhibition. And they take a picture looking with at the back. picture with the back. Uh, it's like, bro, it's, so it's not old. by force. It's not by force. Have you even read what it's about? That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> have you actually looked at the art? Have you? You don't care about it. Not that the most time I actually skim read them out. Mm, interesting. Network. Yeah. I'm there for the aesthetics. If mm. it looks interesting enough, then I want to know what the story yeah, is. Yeah, otherwise, yeah. I'm just like, this looks yeah, nice. Yeah, it's not by force. But yeah, we You don't have to be into art. You can just attend an exhibition <laughs> and not be super up. Everyone's got something to prove. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, people are self conscious. It gets like that. Like so yeah, this is your daily or weekly reminder. <laughs> Do something different this week. When you I sound so preachy. Let me just chill. I was gonna say, when you get home, instead of opening up Twitter, maybe open a book. <laughs> Do you read the cheek? I do read <laughs> the actual cheek yeah. though. <laughs> I was actually gonna preach some read a book. annoying shit. Yeah. <laughs> Do what you want. <laughs> I wanna start getting into reading again though. I think yeah. I need I even need like a long commute or like a holiday or something or you know, some kind of routine. Yeah, I get what you mean. With me, I 
I take in books like uh, I don't give it much of a chance mm. So I start loads of books And don't finish them But that's important If you don't enjoy them Don't and finish that's, yeah. them yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think I'm wrong Because yeah. I just feel like I want to be drawn in And books that I'm drawn in I'll finish it in three days Because it's, it's like If I get a break from work let yeah, let's go back I just to, yeah. want to know what happens yeah. And it's hard to get come by those, those kinds of books So if anyone's got any recommendations actually Of things you can't put down That's mm. the kind of books that I love reading Anything other than that I'm probably going to lose interest mm. And by black authors please Black authors I only read books by black people Unless they're like Somewhat self-helpy yeah. I'm open to other cultures then I've got a few in mind That I could probably share at some point Yeah, please I'll let you know <coughs> Por favor Right this week, you get into toxicity. Yes, um, I'm hot. you're toxic. No, I was thinking, what's the toxic song? Well done to Britney, she's pregnant. Woo! Congratulations, so darling. Her. I was so happy for her. When I know, I saw that. so cute. I didn't know she had a husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I had saw, no clue. I think I saw because I, I pre her quite a lot with the whole um, free Britney movement. Yeah, what's what's the word of the thing that was done to her? Con- conservatorship. Oh yes, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've freed her a lot around then. That's when I found out she had a husband. Yeah, yeah. Wow, amazing. How can her and Diana so be pregnant at the same time? Like, doesn't that just feel like full circle moment? <laughs> <laughs> it probably does to me. It's like two stars, different eras. Like it girls are never pregnant. Like what? <laughs> Say what stars? Yeah, I feel like they both represent something for their era. Who? Britney and Rihanna. Oh, Rihanna. Oh, Rihanna. I thought you said you. Me? Yeah. I'm not pregnant. What like, the hell? Stop. No. Oh, that's a bit rude. <laughs> start I am a right. star. That's what I was saying. My own right. You know, that's like... <laughs> Sorry, we're being surrendered. But anyway, you remember my tag was Lady Star? Oh, yeah. That was because my mum always used to call me a star. <laughs> So then I added a second R onto it and I said, Lady Star with two R's because my mum was. And on my Pixel, you know, you had an about me yeah, page. Yeah, yeah. Mine was like, My mum was easy to I've still got that. I've got a picture of your, of my your Pixel, profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh I got God. it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Hide that. <laughs> Hide that. No, let's post that this week, actually. That'll be funny. Sure. Right. Toxicity. Shall we? <coughs> this one is a bit of a wompity womp. Wompity womp, womp, womp. But it's real. Um, and it's mine. It's my toxic thought. Well done. Thank you. I'm owning it. So the thought is, I refuse to visit my dad's grave. People always make a fuss of going to lay flowers at the graveside of their loved ones and generally making sure that it looks beautiful and well-maintained. But when I think about doing that for my dad, it feels like a waste of time, mm-hmm. a waste of energy, and just a very fast way to unnecessarily trigger myself. Um. Let me come off the script for this. I'll read it. <laughs> script. You know what you want to say. I know what I want to say, yeah. yeah. Um, but I feel like I... I think the first couple of years after my dad passed and I really felt bad about it. Mm-hmm. And so my family would sometimes come to me and be like, we're going to the graveside. Just so you know. My family, disclaimer by the way, have never once made me feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. They've... Very much been on a vibe of Everyone do what works for you Everyone process how it works for you But they would always Put it out to say We're going If you want to go um, And I would always be like Cool story bro Good luck Enjoy yourself <laughs> Have fun All the best I would And never go um, But obviously Even the mere question of Do you want to come And the answer being no Made me feel bad mm. Like Because I do know Ultimately I should want to go 
And I've, it is it, it was anyway at that time a crazy concept to me that I've never been to my dad's grave. So I don't know what it looks like. Mm. I genuinely haven't got a clue. Yeah. I think I remember when we were picking the actual gravestone, I saw it. I don't even remember what we chose. Mm. I have no idea. Um, but something that I battled at that time was like, am I an evil witch <laughs> for not wanting to mm. go to my dad's graveside? Mm. Oh, sorry. No, it's fine. I was going to say, like, I get it because I think sometimes you must... My, my nan passed away as well and I think not going, it makes you feel guilty because that person's left alone. Yeah. Dead. And it's yeah. like, how can you not go? That one, a one visit. Yeah. Well, how can what you not do that? You? Yeah. For me, I think how I've processed it now is that I feel like I attach something very different to the physical body that is left mm. and the corpse and something that really genuinely fucked with my head, which is, I think is a big part of the reason I haven't been, mm. is I remember on the day that, my, on the day of my dad's funeral, um, I, when I saw the casket, I broke mm. down, like my knees went weak. I've never experienced something like that before. I thought I was going to fall down mm. because my legs just weren't working anymore. And it, the image that fucked me up was my dad's body inside a box, yeah. a small little tight box. And obviously my memory of my dad is alive, walking around, all the space in the world. And it fucked me up. And then what came next was imagining that body rotting. Yeah. And it's very graphic and horrible, but that image in my head fucked me up. And even on the day of the funeral, I remember, you know, they they dig the hole yeah, and they even make you put a bit of dirt on top, like a scoop a bit of dirt and all of that. And the whole time, that's all I could think about. They're like, that's my, my dad's body in there. Yeah, why are, you put, why are we putting in? this in the ground? Like, mm. and so for me, it, that body is like, cool. How I, how I dealt with it was, I guess I went back to my faith and it's like, his spirit does not live in that body. Mm. And I don't want to remember my dad as a corpse. So that's why going, the idea of going to the graveside is like, it's a reminder. It's a reminder of, yeah. of that. And all I already know, all the image that will haunt me is like, his corpse rotting. Mm. And I just don't need that in my mind. Mm. I would much rather the memory of a man who was alive rather than this empty body. His spirit is what I'm more concerned with now mm. of rather than his body. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. What Do you mind like telling the listeners the, the story about your dad's passing and wh- when it happened? How old yeah, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <coughs> I, I think that's relevant as well because I yeah. definitely think that's a big part of the reason that I feel the way I do. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, my dad died in 2014, in September. Um, And at that time, I was 21, about to turn 22 the next month. Last year of uni as well. We 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 just graduated. We just graduated. Uh, So I was... He came to your graduation. He didn't. He actually didn't. Who did he come? He's holding Josiah in a picture. That's in... uh, The engagement. engagement Yes, there was something significant, I remember. He didn't come to my graduation because I didn't invite him, which is another one of the things that I I will work through. Mm. But yeah, um, I was 21. I was young. Mm. I'd got my first job in the city. And I I got a phone call on my lunch break from my brother. My brother was like, are you all right? I said, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What are you going to be for kind of thing? And he was like, oh, um, I need to talk to you. Can you talk? I was like, yeah, what kind of thing? Mm. Just like, what is all of this? And he was like, yeah, dad's really sick. And I said, okay. He said, yeah, he's in the hospital. Um, I don't know how to tell you this, so I'm just going to tell you. 
He's got bowel cancer. Oh and I was gosh. like, huh? Yeah. I remember exactly where I was when I received that call. Mm-hmm. And I remember being so rattled. And I said, I don't know what to do. You know, you know, all of my senses. I'm a practical you and like, really are, I yeah. get into, into like, uh, what do we do to fix this mode? Mm-hmm. I didn't have a clue. And I said to my brother, I don't know what to do. And he said, okay, go back inside to the, the office. Tell them you've got family emergency. Tell them you must go home. Blah, 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 blah. He told me everything. He gave me a script. And I said, okay. Yeah. I went inside. I said what he said, I should say. <laughs> I took my bag. And then I made my way to either the hospital tour or to meet the rest of my family. Mm. Um, but anyway, long story short, um, my dad had been diagnosed with bowel cancer and been told on the day of diagnosis that he has two weeks to live. So the next two weeks... I don't even have the words to describe what that experience was. It was like an outer body experience. Mm. The first day I saw my dad in the hospital was that day that I got the phone call. Um, and we were all sitting there and like, what the hell's going on? Talking to the doctors. And they said, yeah, he's got two weeks. We've just found it. Stage four. That's the estimate that we're putting on it. And we were all just looking at each other like, what the fuck? That makes no sense. That- remember they were saying he had indigestion. So, yeah. That's one of the worst things about this. My dad had been complaining about indigestion. No, stomach pain. Oh, stomach pain. Yeah. For um, five years. He went to his doctor and said, I've got stomach pain. It's really painful. I don't know what this is. It's not normal. They said it's indigestion. And for five years, they had my dad on a repeat repeat prescription of Gaviscon. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> and so when he... When it was found out, found, sorry, that he had bowel cancer, they were trying to send him home because he'd mm. spent a few days in the hospital before they found it. Mm. And we knew he was sick. What had happened was that my other brother um, went to the house, my parents' house, mm. and it was just my dad. And he found my dad on the floor and he just said, I can't get up. I'm in just in so much pain. And he was like, what the fuck? We're going to the hospital. Talking to the hospital, they were trying to do up the indigestion again. And my, my brother and my dad... Finally, we're like, no. No, yeah. Look into this. Something isn't right. Um, so they did test for a few days. He couldn't keep food down, all of this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. they had to keep him to a certain extent because he had to be on a drip and all of that. And um, yeah, then they said it's bowel cancer. And so that was a whole process as well. We actually took went through the court system because we were trying to, I guess, sue the NHS yeah. for negligence because yeah, yeah. it, it is wild that for five years somebody can be complaining about something and you basically gas out the And shit even out. for a man to be going to the doctors exactly. like that is telling. And my dad, my, do you yeah. know my yeah. dad, yeah? <laughs> I can count how many times he went to the, to the doctor in his life. Mm. He didn't go to the doctor. There was a point that he developed high blood pressure even. He was like, me? No way. He was refusing to accept it. So for my dad to be going back complaining like, please help me. And Funnily enough, the picture that you mentioned, um, that was also one of the crazy things that we all struggle to process, was taken. He looked so healthy, so good. And that day, everyone was like, you look so good. Mm. You've really been looking after yourself. He'd lost a bit of weight. And he was like, yeah, I've just Uh. been eating healthily. And he he actually looked really good. That picture was taken less than a month before he died. Like... And he does look really good. He's wearing like white trousers and like a... He's wearing like a light grey trouser. Yeah, and I remember. And a striped, like coloured, light, pastel coloured striped I think it was blue. Shirt. It was like... Yeah, I remember. I can pastel. remember the picture yeah. very clearly in my mind. Yeah. yeah. So it was all mad. And in those two weeks, I saw his health deteriorate in the maddest 
way. Mm-hmm. It went from day one, being able to speak, being fine, interacting with us, still cracking jokes, mm-hmm. to day two, stomach being a little bit swollen, um, his legs swelling up a little bit as well, him having to wear compression socks. Over the next week, it became he's gaunt, mm-hmm. and but his stomach is incredibly swollen. Um, and he's slowing down in his speech, in his movement. Um, and he had to have, so basically his bowel was blocked by the tumor. It was growing so quickly that on day one that he arrived, it wasn't blocking his bowel. By the first week it was. Yeah. Um, so they offered surgery and they said, we can do surgery um, on him in order to basically give him a bag. That would mean that his... Um, Waste can leak into the bag, basically. Mm. Um, and that bag can be changed, which will relieve some of the pressure on his stomach and also some of the pressure on the the tumour. Because it, it was like the pressure being created of the, from the tumour and the um, waste mm. was fast-tracking his death. So they said, this thing that we're doing, this operation, could give him an extra week. And so we had to make the very difficult decision. And it was so hard because the question was, this thing is going to extend your life by maybe a week. A week, max. yeah. We're going to put you through in really invasive, um, what's the word? Major surgery. Yeah. To extend your life for a week. Bear in mind, your body is already very weak and will have to recover from this surgery mm. on top of what you're already going yeah. through. But what the difficulty was that that surgery presented hope. It felt like a chance of yeah. some kind. Yeah. And so it, it's actually kind of fucked up because we ended up being quite logical about it where it was like, I was just you're going to say die that. anyway. Yeah. And I think given the, sometimes in these situations, you have to block out so much emotion and just think about logistically, That's exactly what can what we do? Was. And it's like, you're playing a card game yeah. with your dad's life. life. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And we said, you're going to die anyway. We might as well give you your best fighting chance. Because mm. he said to us, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. And he said to us, you please make the decision. Your dad said Yeah. That. He said, whatever you guys think, I'll do it. And at this point, he was quite hopeful. Like, mm. he was like, you never know what God can do. And he would tell mm. stories from the Bible of, like, times that people had given up on themselves mm. um, and on God. But God turned it around. But it seemed like he was also quite realistic about it. Like, he wasn't away with the fairies. Yeah. He was like, I might die. Yeah. But also... You never know what God's going to do. And imagine the testimony that we would have mm. if I don't die. Um, and yeah, so we decided to go ahead with the surgery. And it, it, I think it just made everything worse, to be honest. Um, and in the last week of his life, it, it went after surgery. It was like he's in a lot of pain. He's on a lot of morphine. Mm. He can't speak anymore. So... We, at first, I think the first like week or so, we were all at the hospital at the same time, the whole time. Not really sleeping. Mm. If we did go home to sleep, come back first thing in the morning. But by the time he stopped being able to speak, we started doing shifts where it was like, he just can't be alone because um, he's going to die and we don't need to die alone. Of course, yeah. So... Even that was one of the most traumatic experiences for me. Like, I can't... When I say I had PTSD from that experience, I know what PTSD is now Mm. after that experience. But, like, we would have to, like, wet his mouth with the sponge because, obviously, he he couldn't speak and his mouth would have to be open the whole time. 
So he'd have to wet his mouth to make sure that he's hydrated. And he couldn't speak, but he would make sounds. Um, and one of the things that till now, like, in, till today really fucks me up and is one of my biggest regrets is um, I was on the phone. I was doing my shift. And mm. they, my family were quite protective of me in this situation for maybe the first time. You're, be- you're, the, you're the youngest one. In that situation, yeah. I, was, I was very much made aware again of the fact that I am the youngest. Mm. I felt like an adult. But that situation reminded me and they reminded me they're the youngest. I'm the youngest, sorry, with the way they treated me, which I was obviously very thankful for. Um, but I was on the phone. I, they never let me, the reason I say that is because they never let me do a shift by myself. Uh, they would always make sure that it's me and somebody. Yeah. But this time, for some reason, nobody else could come. So I went by myself and I was on the phone to my friend and my friend was trying to ask for an update. And I was like, he, he can't even speak. Mm. Like, and I was trying to explain. And when I said that, he started making sounds. And I was like, he can hear me. He can hear you. Um, And I think about how prideful my dad was. Yeah. And I know that that must have broken his heart to hear me saying that. Yeah. So until today, it is one of my biggest regrets that I ever had that conversation with him as though he was already dead. Yeah. Sorry, with him in the room as though he was already not there. Um, But, you know, I tried to be forgiven of myself at the same time because it's not easy what what we all went through yeah at that time. you're literally like you're 21 you've been given two weeks notice yeah that you know your dad's gonna pass away um and i think it's not just like a stranger it's not a neighbor it's literally your dad yeah and i yeah. think the dynamics of even you having to look after your dad yeah in such a way where like you're wetting so his mouth that doesn't make any i'm sure you've never done anything of the sort in your yeah. whole entire life yeah do you know what i mean so i think that's been i've it's Sorry, just to even go back. Yeah. It's interesting hearing you speak about the story because it makes me think about your character and how you are. Mm. I feel like you present as very strong, which which you are, don't get me wrong. Yeah. And you're very like, you believe in justice and you believe mm-hmm. getting to the bottom of things. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe because of this thing that you've experienced at such a young age, you won't take no for an answer mm. if, if you don't believe that it's right. And I feel yeah. like with the, the NHS continuously failing your dad, mm. like it pushes you to a limit where you're not, you're not scared anymore to argue with people. So I'm literally just thinking of yeah. basically a couple of weeks ago, it was in Sainsbury's and there was <laughs> our friend's mom wanted fingers and they were like, Oh, there's no fingers. We couldn't oh. find it. You're like, no, we're going to find the fingers. Like there's fingers <laughs> in the shop. And then <laughs> so I was like, we can't find it. You're just like, no, no, we're going to find the fingers. And it's like, you're so adamant. And it just, it, it, it speaks of your character of how you are because the things that you've had to experience. Yeah. And I feel like losing your dad at such a young age, you must be, kind of fearless in some sense yeah of the world yeah yeah i definitely think that that experience completely changed me as a person mm. for the better and for the worst but for the worst at the time if i'm honest but, at the time, <coughs> but overall for the better mm. um i think it gave me a completely different perspective on life yeah it made me really realize the things that are deep and the things that are not mm-hmm. and it's like I, when I contextualize things now, it's the reference point is always what I've been through. Yeah. And it's like, what the hell is this? I, I know what real problems are. Yeah. And this is not a real problem. So it it works well in like a negative sense of like when bad things happen, I'm I'm like, sorry, things could be worse. Mm. Um, but also in a positive sense, it's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna seize every moment yeah. kind of thing. Like yeah. the finality of life, I, I can I know that life ends mm. and it's good and bad because 
Some people see it as like quite a negative thing to be like, we're all going to die someday. But I don't think I've embraced that in my life as something that I would call negative. I think it's yeah, like, no, I'm an optimistic realist. Mm. I'm aware that bad things happen. And I'm also aware that we are all going to die someday. Mm. Therefore, I seize every moment. Mm. Therefore, I make sure that I celebrate when I can celebrate. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't see it as a negative yeah. thing. And you've always been like that as well. I feel like you've always been one to celebrate. Yeah. Like from early. I've met you when I was what, 14, 15. Yeah, always yeah. been one to celebrate. And I find it interesting that how, I guess in that moment, you were kind of out of control. Absolutely. And you're such a, you're about like, you're my theoretical friend. Like if mm. I need someone to like speak sense into me, yeah. you'll make things sense. You give me answers. Yeah. And I guess in that situation, you had no answers. Yeah. And you, yeah. They, they, t- there's an element where you actually do lose hope. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. remember speaking, even as your friend, I remember speaking to you. Um, I remember exactly where I was mm. and I was walking down the road in Leighton and you were like, he's going. And as your friend, I just felt like, you know when you, I would give my whole soul just yeah. to take away some of your pain. Yeah. And just so I would do anything, anything in this world, like sacrifice myself just for your dad to be better. Yeah. And like, just just knowing that someone that you love so much is in so much pain and there's nothing that you could do. Yeah. It's unbearable. And even as friends, it's like, how, how do you heal this pain that this person's going through? Yeah. Like, what can you do? Like, I can't, cook for you like yeah. I can I can be with you but then you're still <laughs> you, yeah. like you're, you're suffering regardless and I yeah. think sometimes when I'm just talking from a friendship perspective you you don't know what to do yeah. you really don't know what to do um <sighs> no and then even the, the day of the funeral was fucking hard yeah I remember yeah. holding your hand and just yeah. like I was in awe of you that day because I was like this girl is Burying her dad. And I remember I saw you with the shovel and you put the dirt yeah. in the coffin. I was like, how is she doing this? Yeah. Like, it was just, it was a very weird day. It yeah. Was, it was very enough. strange. For me it was so weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird thing. A lot of that period of time just feels like an out of body experience. Yeah. Like, it wasn't me. Mm. So I can, I see myself. Yeah. I remember I even awkwardly, basically, I was weak and I couldn't I remember. pick up. The dirt yeah. with the shovel. Mm. Then I awkwardly like made a joke and giggled. Yes, and was, like, I remember. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then put a little bit of dirt. Like I, I remember. I could. I, it's almost like I can see myself from the outside looking in yeah. what it was, mm. what I was like. Um, but I think after that experience, it was just such a shock to my system that only half of me was even there that day. Yeah, that was the formality mm. that needed to be done after. Really saying bye to my dad mm. Do you get what I mean? Because mm. I, I said bye before that Um, But no, thank you Like you were You were such a friend to me At that time And like This is something that was quite important for me That I wanted to discuss in this Is like how we deal with grief mm. And as a, Not just as somebody who's grieving But also as a, an outsider Outside, yeah. Who loves somebody <coughs> I think it is not fair for someone who is grieving to expect somebody else to be able to fix anything mm. for them. And I also think that anyone who is trying to support somebody who's grieving needs to cut themselves some slack and know that they won't always know yeah, what you to do. Yeah. You won't. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I felt that with you as well when your nan passed away. Because I Okay. You sent me some cute pajamas, which is yeah. <laughs> it's so hard because Around the time that I was going through what I went through with my dad, mm. 
um, I felt failed by a lot of my friends, mm. like really failed. And, but then but from others, I didn't. And I think at that time, I was less empathetic, empathetic about the fact that it is really difficult to know what to do. Yeah. And also that everyone the is different. Well. Yeah, yeah. children. Yeah. And everyone is different as well. And I think of you mm. when your nan passed away, because when my dad passed away, I was, and, and I felt failed by people. I felt mm. like, I know exactly what I would do. If someone <laughs> I love has someone passing away or whatever, I know what to do because I've been there. But I still didn't know what to do. Yeah. And the same with my sister-in-law, who my sister-in-law passed away. Mm. And so the, her, my sister-in-law is my brother's wife and her sister passed away. And yeah. you're really close. Yeah. yeah. They've been together. Just for context since. as well, I feel like you guys literally come as one. Yes. Like you're really, it's not just your it's not sister-in-law, just sister-in-law sister. sister. And yeah. that's, even having to explain to people has been frustrating. But yeah. she passed away last summer and um, my brother and his wife have been together since I was 13. Mm. We, our families became one. Mm. And I am now 29. We are clo- we didn't call each other sisters or we call each other sisters. So <laughs> it was a loss, a major loss that was triggering for the family because she also died of cancer. Mm. And that was difficult because I was trying to be a support to my sister-in-law, but I was mourning at the same time. You're and I was also as triggered well. as yeah, hell yeah. about my dad. And again, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and I felt like a horrible sister, a horrible friend to you. I didn't have the answers. Yeah. I didn't feel that at all, you know. <laughs> I think sometimes, like, you you shouldn't have expectations of people. Um, do you know what? I think naturally you do because you kind of assume that your friends and family should know what to do for yeah, you. Yeah. Um, I remember when I... Um, when I found out my nan died, my mom called me in the morning. It's funny because I was literally doing willy bounce as my nan was dying. Wow. <laughs> my mom was like, my mom was basically, yeah. basically, I stayed up to like five in the morning, yeah, having like a little one man show. Well, not my one man show. Yeah, I, just, just a few people, like maybe three or four of us. Sorry. Okay. Um, and I was willy bouncy and I was gut, willy bouncing, gutty creeping, willy like bouncy. five in the morning. Yeah. I'm so These times my nan's dying. And my mom called me in the morning. She's like, yeah, nan died at like, Four or five in the morning, wow. but I didn't tell you because I didn't want to wake you up in your sleep. Yeah. And I was like, "Wow!" Like I was really, really about yeah. saying like, um, and that even <coughs> sorry brought around a lot of guilt for guilt. me as well because I knew I knew she was dying as well. And just for context as well, like my my nan was like my mum, mm. and I know on one part of the episode, like I mentioned that. I was going through something and my nan would be the person to save me. Mm-hmm. So even now, like things that I experience, like she's my logistical, like you're kind of like that as well. You're, mm. She's the person who has the answers for me. Mm. And kind of w- without that figure, sometimes I, f- I feel so lost. Mm. Like I always feel like I need her to G-check me and give me guidance yeah. and hope. And when you don't have that, it's like, how do I move forward? I can't just keep thinking about my emotions all the time. Yeah. Um, <coughs> but yeah, I feel like with with my nan, like, I lived with her and I could see that her health was deteriorating from time. Mm. Um, so when she went in the home and then she died, it wasn't actually as painful as seeing her deteriorate in her health. Okay. There was even a sense of relief yeah. that she had gone. Okay. Um, and even part of me felt guilty for feeling that she, I was relieved that she died. Wow. Because I, it's like, how can I wish death upon someone? And it wasn't yeah, wishing it's, death. It's wanting to relieve her. Yeah, I wanted to relieve her of suffering. her pain, but that's still life. And who am I to yeah, say that yeah. somebody should die? I totally understand. Um, and I remember feeling so guilty because my mum was really sad about, because my mum and I used to argue a lot. And I was like, oh, let's just be honest. Nan was a bit of a prick. Mm. Um, and then my mum pulled me up like a couple of days ago. She's like, that really, <laughs> that 
say that? And then I was like, how can I say that? And I think I was just trying to deflect and make a joke, make light of the yeah, situation because yeah. my name was a very difficult person. Yeah. Like I believe in, tell the truth about people, like yeah. regardless if they're dead or not. She was very difficult. So I was trying to make light of it. And then I'm like, call her a prick. Like she's definitely cursing me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you call her a prick. A prick. I was, uh, my nana grave, prick. Yeah, that's very mad. I felt really bad. Like, oh. but I think I just at the time I just didn't know what to do. Yeah, that's sorry. I don't want to cut you off, but mm. I also think it's really relevant to mention. Mm. Like my my therapist at the time, mm. not that at the time, years later, <laughs> I tried to unpack this with her and we started talking about like the five stages of grief. Mm. And one of the stages was um Hold on, let me find it. Guilt mm. and control. Yeah. So something that happens is that you feel really guilty. And so it makes you try to take control of the narrative yeah. in order to control console yourself. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like what you would do. What I was trying to do, yeah. yeah. I felt guilty. So I was like, oh, she was a prick. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's actually not funny. Yeah. Um, or yeah. do you know what? It's, if anything, you know, it was very insensitive to my mom. Mm. I think more than if it, because that's her mom. And God forbid my child was like, when my mom passes away, which is crazy mm. concept to think about. Yeah. If my child was like, yeah, you know, your, your mom, your mom was, was a prick. prick. Wow, <laughs> she gets you would beat that child. <laughs> <laughs> you would slap that child up. Yeah. But it's forgivable. We've all said and done things. Yeah, like yeah. when you're trying to process these kinds of emotions that are also really new. Like, you know, the concept of death did not exist to me. No, before no. my dad. It still doesn't kind of in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now I'm aware of it. But before <coughs> my dad, it was like, you mean people die? Like, yeah. the, I genuinely had a reality check of, oh my God, people die. <laughs> what the fuck? I wasn't expecting that. And the emotions that come with that, they're complicated yeah. as hell. It's crazy. Oh, sorry. Just what I thought of is I was telling the story about when I found out my nun died. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I found out she died. Um, and then my friend walked in on me and she was like, oh, did your, your nan died? And I was like, yeah, this her. So what's going to happen sometimes? You're going to feel up and down one day. Da, 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 da. And I was like, whoa, okay. But I think, again, she was kind of coming from a logistical point as well. It's like, and maybe because she's experienced death as well. Mm. She was just trying to help in that moment. Practically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, practically. It felt very overwhelming because I was like, I literally just found out. People just don't know what yeah, to do. Yeah, you don't know do. what to do. Yeah. Like, how can I relieve you of this pain? How can I support you? Yeah. Um, and I think at the time of my nan's passing, loss was a kind of theme that was going on in my life. Mm. Um, whether that was relationships or um, like friendships and stuff like that. I was losing, yeah. it felt like everybody was just dropping like flies. Wow. And I think it really intensified the death. And I think still to this day, I haven't really processed it. Yeah. yeah I, haven't, I, I haven't even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think I'm kind of got to a space now where I'm like, maybe I just won't. Yeah. Like, and I guess grieving is, I guess the definition is like, I'm like, Intense sadness about something mm-hmm. And it, it really comes in waves for me mm. um, And interestingly Sometimes I feel selfish Because it comes at It comes at times When I'm feeling less than mm. Or I'm in need Okay So when I feel like Something's missing And I need support That's what my nan prese- Represented for me So I will feel sad then But that's not selfish It feels selfish Because it's like You know when you When you pray When you need something mm. And you're not kind okay, of Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's so like even, why don't I Appreciate in the good times as yeah, well? yeah yeah I do I do sometimes But generally It feels like I kind of I feel like there's a sense of loss When I'm needing something um, I think that's really normal mm. Like At the end of the day We are 
humans who like and need support and companionship from other yeah. humans. So dead or it, alive, exactly. Yeah. So the the moments that you feel you need that <coughs> more, more than anything mm. is when it's going to hit the hardest. That's just normal, and yeah. also it's a coping thing as well of like. Ultimately, there's a part of our brains that wants to forget that this thing has happened. Yeah. But obviously, in those moments of need, you can't because yeah. you need them. Yeah. And it's remembering that I think yeah. that's more painful than anything. Exactly. Because when you when you're you can just be coasting through life and then you remember like, oh my dad passed, and yeah. it's like it takes mm-hmm. you away again. And I don't want to be. Yeah. yeah. That's something that um, I think is a part of the reason that I don't want to gr- r- visit his graveside. It's mm. like I know how I'm gonna feel seeing that graveside. And I don't want to feel like that. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so. It's like, why must you put yourself through that pain? Why would I pain? put myself through that yeah, pain? Yeah. You've experienced enough. Did you know what I mean? I've yeah. suffered yeah. enough. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to go somewhere and know I'm going to be triggered. And the, it's the domino effect of that triggeration as well. It's like, with mourning, you mourn the past, but you also mourn the future. Mm. When I first bought, when I bought my first car, I was so sad that my dad couldn't see it. Yeah. I was so sad because... That's something that from, I think, maybe the age of 13, my dad would be like, watch how I change the gears. When you're driving, (laughs) you need to be doing it like this. You keep it smooth. (laughs) Don't lift the clutch. So before I even had my first driving lesson, I'd had driving lessons. And my dad would always speak about, oh, I can't wait to pick your first car. And that was one of his things with all of my siblings. Mm. Your first car is so funny. My brother bought his first car as a surprise. And he came home. When I say my dad, his head was in his hands. <laughs> Why would you do this? And it's so funny because the car was a banger. Aww. The exhaust pipe was smoking from up the road. The car was absolutely rubbish. And you, my brother brought the car home was like, look. And my dad was like, look at this piece of crap that he brought up. I oh, told he was, you. He was frustrated. Yes. He was like, I told you I'm going to buy your first car Aww. with you. What are you doing? It was a moment of pride for him. He was so excited to see each and every one of his kids. Yeah, yeah. The fact that my brother went and did that was like, you stupid idiot. <laughs> he never lived it down. And every time my dad got in the car, yeah, and my brother's driving and the car's doing bonk, bonk, bonk. My, bro- my dad would be like, <laughs> you see? <laughs> Why did you buy this car? And then my, my dad ended up fighting the guy that he bought it off of. Like, did Yeah, not physically, but I mean, just yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to do the whole justice thing. Of, You've taken my son for idiot. Because I think he was maybe 17 when he bought that Aww. car. He was young, 18 at most. He was young. So my dad was just like, oh my God, you don't even know the questions to ask yeah, when you're buying a car. Yeah. But yeah, when I bought my first car, I was like, oh, my dad should be here. And, my brother was the one that came with me and played my dad. Okay, of yeah. Checking, the, getting on the floor, checking underneath, looking at the engine, all of that kind of mm. stuff. Um, and my brother till now has assumed that role in my life. Like things that I need when it comes to like that male figure, fatherly, fatherly figure. Yeah, yeah. He still plays that yeah. role. And that's me. a lot on him as well because he's not that much older no, than me. No, he's not. He's five years older yeah, than me. Yeah. And he's got his whole last family of his own. Mm. So I I try now to relieve him of some of those pressures mm. and now just really want to use him more as a brother because it also puts pressure on him in the sense of like the dynamic of him having to worry about me. Yeah. As my older brother, there's a level of worry that you're going to have and yeah. then the rest is like, See ya. Yeah, Whatever yeah. is your, that's your business. You're a grown ass woman, yeah, but yeah. having forced him to play this father role at the same time, he he can have sleepless mm. nights. Obviously. Yeah, do you know what he I does mean? love you a lot. Of course, of course. I feel like whenever I've been around you guys, obviously a few years ago, but like he really loves you. Of course, you have like a fantastic relationship. Yeah, I like him. He's, he's lovely. No, my brother's the best. Yeah, he's, and his he wife. He belongs. He sorry. He fell directly from heaven. Like, yeah, he deserves the world and more. Like mm. honestly, and even with things like the funeral. 
he happily he took yeah. control yeah. and made sure that everything. I showed up the funeral. I found a dress. I didn't even find a dress. My sister-in-law found me a dress. She picked my shoe. Everybody put my clothes for me. I showed up. It was planned by everybody else. Do you remember um, Josiah as well? Like shouting. He was talking. Was he? Yeah. During the service. During yeah, the service. he was. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember. And I remember what being so surprised throughout the service as well. Because like they'd planned it. So when the music started playing, I was like, <laughs> this is the song you chose That was his favorite song When he was young I didn't even know Because I just showed up You probably showed up Maybe. Do you remember I was sorry I'll never forget We were spoken about it a few times When um, the reception So we all went back to your house And they went to bow our heads And then the pastor was like Does anybody want to start? And your mom was like And <laughs> My mom and I singing yeah. yeah We both looked no. up at each other And started laughing Like it was such a serious Kind of yeah serious moment And my mom just said moment. Oh yeah, yeah. Look- my mom and her singing, yeah. I probably looked at her like, Rah. No, Auntie so Al, she well. went for it. Yeah, she did. <laughs> there were so many people. She's just so confident. Singing from her lungs, from her gut. It was so funny. I probably couldn't hold my laughter. <laughs> Bless her, she was cracking jokes the whole day as well. She was really being she a was. comedian. And I think... Funerals as well I just wish we In the western world We we changed how they were The thing is Everybody's sad Yes of course But I guess It never feels like A celebration of like We try to force it Like we try to say You know come with Like a different dress code And stuff But there's still This kind of underlying Solemnness I guess Which actually makes A lot of sense Um, But yeah funerals Sometimes they can be Oh my gosh Did you see that rapper Who died And they brought his body To um, a rave Stood him up I saw it I couldn't even watch it So scary Uh, Don't do that to me That's not right Come on There's levels man That one is wrong You can't do that I'm gonna When um, you pass I'm gonna sit you in a pottery Imagine In a pottery (laughs) The way people would beat you up Like what the fuck Have you done to You know when I was a child I was like yeah Mum I wanna be cremated I want my um, My ashes to be Spread over Kismania Kismania why was that even on your mind? Because I used to love kids main as a child. I thought, nah, that's deep. Like, obviously, I'm still positive. I'm still playing amongst the kids. Like, <laughs> I thought I was a deep child. I'm so dead. I thought I was deep. You said I'm still playing amongst the kids. Why are you even thinking I'm about still playing. that? I've always been quite deep, you know. Oh, that's too funny. I want to get into like um, the stages of grief because I found this mm. interesting. I, funnily enough, when my therapist gave it to me, she gave me a sheet of paper that printed out and explained all of them in a cute little diagram. And I was like, get this shit out of my face. <laughs> I, at that time, I was like, I'm angry and I'm sad. <laughs> and you're giving me psychology. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I just want to feel better. Right. So the five stages of yeah, the grief. Five stages of grief. It is a psychologist called Kubler-Ross, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And it mm. made me feel good because it's a woman. Yeah, yeah. She's white, but we move. Um, Getting there. Slowly, slowly. (laughs) A bit. So the first stage is shock and denial, Mm. um, which I'm sure we can all relate to. That one's Mm -hmm. self-explanatory. The second one, which I found interesting, was expressing pain as anger. Mm. Do you feel like you went Mm. through that at all? I think... As I said before, I kind of felt like my nan was dying as her health was deteriorating rather mm-hmm. than natural death. Yeah. Um. So I feel like I definitely went through stages of even frustration yeah. with her because I'm like, you're strong. Mm. You've always been like a strong figure in my life. Yeah. Stop doing this. Yeah. And I actually felt angry, not even angry at like her health deteriorating or like the death. It was more at her. Yeah. Because like, why are you giving up on me? Like, yeah. you still got time left. Like, 
you can push through. Like all I know, my nan, one time there was um there was a flood in my area, um, and you literally got we were stuck mm-hmm. that you couldn't leave, um, and she had an ulcer in her leg, and she tied a uh, a bag around her leg and walked through the flood to go to work. Mad. <laughs> As in, it was mad. There was literally fire brigades everywhere. Oh, to, my like gosh. screaming and saying, "What are you doing?" To go to work. What, to go to work. <laughs> so this woman, like, I feel like you. You can't die on me. Like yeah. you, you can't do this. You're so powerful. Um, You're so strong. And she was experiencing dementia as well, so she was very distressed. Mm. And like she used to wake me up, and she used to like throw vases at the wall because she's getting saying Jewish people get some coming in the house wow. and like sitting in the house. Oh, wow. But obviously, even with like mental health deterioration, it's so frustrating. Yeah. It's like, yeah. look, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah, it was a really difficult time for me. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like I was. I was angry mm. more at her and I guess with the, the health stuff, it was like, you're giving up on me and this is yeah. not what I know you for. Yeah. Um, And then even with the home and stuff like that she was in, I kind of felt like, are you failing her? Are you just overdosing her with Ugh, medicine? And yeah. like, and you can't really argue with medical professions because what do I know? Yeah. yeah. So there's only so much All you want is for her to be better. And if they're not making her better, that's annoying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. um, what about you? Did you feel like you experienced Definitely. I felt really angry with my dad because I felt Mm. like... So one of the layers of my dad's and dad's relationship was maybe the last two years of his life, Mm. I started distancing myself from him. Mm. I went through a phase of realizing... I was a daddy's girl growing up, Mm. like major daddy's girl. I loved my dad. And I think those last two years, I realized that my dad isn't perfect. Yeah. And I started really writing down all his crimes. And I was like, oh my gosh, this man... I've not only have you done bad things, but I've treated you like the, a king yeah. my whole life. <laughs> and I've looked up to you so much. And I felt so let down by him for the fact that he had made mistakes. Yeah. And I hadn't, I hadn't given, been given the opportunity yet in my mature mind to work through that. Mm. And I was so jealous of my siblings because I would be like, he's this, he's that, I can't believe he's <laughs> did this. And they're like, oh, but he's still a, our dad and he's still been a dad to yeah. us. He still supported me. He still done X, Y, Z. He's still a great dad mm. to me in, mm. in loads of ways. And they were like, I put your crimes aside and I still talk to you because you're still the man that I've always known. And I was like, nope, absolutely not. And I, I have, my attitude towards everything was very black and white. And in general, I can kind of be that way anyway, where it's mm. like, I'm logical. If you're wrong, you're wrong to me. And if you've mm. been bad, you're bad. Mm. But it's a sign of emotional immaturity, which makes sense was. because you're 21. Exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly what it was. And I felt so let down by him because particularly because I'd put him on a pedestal. Mm. Um, and so when he was passing away, I was angry with him even more because I was like, why did you have to do those things to make me distance myself yeah. at, at the most important time in my life? In our relationship mm. I wish I didn't distance myself from you But you caused me to Because you did those things <laughs> yeah. So I was so angry with him um, And I remember Getting to a stage of just like I felt evil Because mm. I felt like How can I be angry with a dying man And I was having like Quite harsh conversations with him Even on his deathbed mm. Because I just wanted to work through my anger so badly So that, so that I could you can care, care and yeah. as much And like Obviously I cared <coughs> but I didn't care But like so that I could not have a chip on my shoulder while I care. Mm. Um, and I I kind of regret that I kind of don't. I think it was necessary for me, mm. but I also wish that it wasn't necessary. At that time. <laughs> At as that well. time. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's how my anger manifested. And one of the things that I found really interesting about like this psychological theory mm-hmm. um, is they speak about how frustrating the anger side of things is because anger is such a taboo emotion to have. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> with most of emotions, it's fine. It's like, I'm really depressed. Yeah. And yeah, of course you might feel some guilt or like frustration with your depression, but considering your mourning, you allow yourself. But yeah. anger is even in honor, when somebody has truly wronged you, somebody slaps you and you start screaming in the street saying, can you see what he just did? <laughs> it's a taboo thing yeah, to do. Yeah, it's yeah. a taboo feeling to feel. Yeah. So it's particularly difficult when you're angry while mourning, especially if you're angry with the person, mm, they're you're too mourning. conflicting. Things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I found that I guess mourning kind of feels like you're kind of, I guess, giving up a little bit, or you're allowing yourself to feel sad and have yeah. some kind of compassion in a way. Mm-hmm. But anger feels very like anger could, anger could be quite fleeting as well. Yeah, because you know? it bowls up, then you pop, mm-hmm. and then you kind of then you're fine. Go back into and then you're mode. like, why was I so angry? Mm-hmm. You touch shame to it again. Mm-hmm. We're not allowed to be angry generally. Like yeah. it's, I'm really working on that. Yeah, moment. like I've. Do not give myself to be angry at all. Mm. So I'm trying to express my anger a little bit more. Yeah, it's I think it's important. It it's really, really is. important. Um, just for the sake of justice, you know. Hundred <laughs> percent. And you can't just come and kill yourself with <laughs> frustration inside. Like you have to express it. It's a valid emotion. Yeah. So reading that for me was probably the most interesting stage that gave me the most comfort because mm. this whole thing is based on studies that she's done for years. Not just from a psychological perspective, also working with people who have grieved yeah. over years and years and years and yeah. years. And anger is a very common part of it. It's a normal part of the process. Yeah. Even and- um for me, like um my neighbor um had passed away when I used to live in in um like Pembury in Hackney. Mm. And he passed away and he was very young and that was so difficult for me. And I I guess as well, because I'm such an empath. I was kind of grieving for my neighbors who lived next door to him for years. Yeah. Um, and that was so difficult to know that because I lived there for about three years. So I know the pain that they're experiencing. Mm. And I also felt very angry that there were, I've actually never told anyone, but I kind of even felt angry at old people mm. because it's like, why are you still alive? But yet this 26 year old boy has died. Okay. Um, and just literally last month as well, another childhood friend of mine died. Mm. Um, and again, it's like, why are all these people getting to live? Mm. And you're this this one in particular is twenty three. You've not even started. Your you life. haven't started your life. Why does why does life work like this? Yeah, it was just it makes it made me so angry. <sighs> I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was so difficult. You kind of look around and it's like you even treat yourself badly. You you overeat. You yourself. smoke. Yeah. You drink. Like and yet you're still alive. And yet this this young boy has has died. Has even started. And again, like NHS. NHS Failing people, hmm. um, but yeah, I just I I understand the anger. I really yeah. really get it. I felt similarly. It's it's always different when it's a young life because mm. when Serena passed, my sister in law, she was thirty three. Yeah. The rest of her life ahead of her, I'm not far off that age. Yeah, no, we're not like it. It's absolutely insane that her life could be lost, mm. and it's it just hits different when it's a young life, mm. like. My dad was 56 when he died, which is still young. Mm. But from my perspective, one of the ways that I consoled myself was the fact that he had he had lived a long life in the sense of what he'd done in his life. Mm. He has five grown-ass yeah, children. Yeah. He's lived 
in Nigeria, moved to this country and was very much on his way to retirement. It mm. feels like you've fulfilled enough for me Some, to console myself yeah, yeah, to yeah. say you have lived a life. Mm-hmm. But with her, it was like, damn, there's no consolation here. Yeah, how you, you were just getting started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, you feel like those people were, were robbed. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you know, in order to console someone, so you might have told your sister-in-law, oh, because I know she was a traveler. Mm-hmm. She's seen the world. She's yeah. done this, but... No, she's passed away and I'm yeah. angry at that. Like, yeah. you, there's no way to be like, but, but, yeah. you know, even though in, in those moments you can say, oh, but they done this, you done that. Mm-hmm. But still, that was their life and they chose to do they those chose things. To, like, it's not like that they, they should, should die now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. It's so frustrating. And I, I, felt, I feel that a lot still with my nan, even in this conversation that we're having. Mm. It's kind of like, well, your dad passed away. Your dad was younger, but my nan... I don't know, she was old, so of course she's going to die. Mm. Even trying to explain to people, like, yeah, my nan died, like, I'm really going for it. It's like, people are like, well, she's, she's old. Yeah, yeah, like, she was 92. So there is there is a sense where I, I, I guess I wasn't in as much pain as I would if it was my mum. Mm. Yes, of course, but it was it's, it's more about the relationships that you have with of people. Of course. No matter how old they are, you're always going to mourn your relationship. Yeah, yeah. We don't just grow older and and suddenly prepare <laughs> ourselves like, of course you're going to die. Now I don't care anymore. Yeah, like, that's not how it you works. You do care. Death is always yeah. going to hurt no matter when it yeah. happens. Yeah. L- lucky enough for me, I don't really feel like I've had much like close, close deaths for me, but I've had a lot of friends who've had like a lot of deaths. Mm. So um, a guy that I used to, well, I was with um, uh, seven years ago, I can't remember now, mm-hmm. but um, his friend got shot mm. um, and I remember just going through the ways of him doing all-nighters um, literally seeing him break down in like in public mm. um, and that pain that sorry again it's just like what can you do to take the pain yeah. away Yeah. Um, and it also it's very draining for you too mm. because there's only much, so much consolation that you could you can give someone like I'm I'm a very supportive person I'll, I'm the kind of person I'll just be there for you Yeah. I'm not too great with my words but I'll be there mm. and I feel like I'm I'm reliable. Yeah. But um I think you're good with yours, but yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah I don't very. sometimes I don't really know what to say. Um <clears throat> but sorry, going back to the the guy who passed next door, it was just every time I go there, like I try to hold it down because my friend still lives there. Mm. And I know she, every day she experiences leaving her house and expecting to see him. Yeah. So I saw because I used to work from home, so I used to see this guy. Every single day Maybe like three times a day mm. Every single day So when I go in It's that emotion It's like How can I look him In his mum's eyes yeah. And say oh hey auntie Because we both know What we're thinking well, I'm, if I know what I'm thinking Yeah Like how can I yeah. say How are you How do you What have you done today Yeah It's a massive elephant We both know Yeah You're not good Yeah, yeah. We know you're not good And it's like What can you do What can you do To help I think it's like I said, I don't think it's a responsibility that people yeah. should put on themselves too heavily no. because what would help truly is mm. for that person to come back. And you can't do that. None yeah. of us are capable yeah. of doing that. So I think yeah. just what I'm trying, the advice that I'm trying to take myself, mm. if I ever have to. Yeah, it's about for you today, system, isn't it? <laughs> literally, is like be there and remind that person that there are things to. Rejoice over That they are loved mm. um, Like I remember When my dad passed away Reminders of normality Were bittersweet Like really helpful But also really not Because it mm. felt like Also life just goes, goes on now mm. Which hurts Like mm. it feels like The world should stop To a yeah, certain extent yeah, for you yeah, yeah. 
But then at the same time, it's nice to be reminded that people care about you mm. and that there are actually still things outside of your bubble of mourning that are worth smiling over mm. and that kind of thing. So anything you can do for the person in that respect, I think, is all you can do. Mm. You can't fix yeah. it. You can't. Yeah. No, it's I not understand. a wise pressure to put on yourself. And I think also one thing that we do experience a lot when we we do lose people is is a sense of guilt for replacing and yeah. i think there's actually no harm in kind of replacing you know your loss with joy absolutely um that's what you, sh- what you should do and there are enough seats at the table for you know you have your dad still to be there but somebody else could be there mm-hmm. like maybe even if you had another father figure it's not taken away from your dad's role that he played yeah like you you can be loved by many people mm. um, and you can find joy in other things. And I guess maybe I'm talking more about, I don't know, if somebody was in a relationship with someone and that person passed away, like mm. you can move on yeah. and have another partner, but you might feel a lot of sense of guilt. I spoke to my friend, um, my friend's mum passed like many, when we was in like year eight mm. um, and his um dad got a new girlfriend with a similar name actually wow and he said it was really really difficult for him oh, it was like wow. you don't care about my mom anymore yeah like my mom's the only person that you're meant to love and yeah. you're loving somebody else like that doesn't make any sense mm. but life as you said life does go on and i think there is it is important to kind of accept that people don't last forever mm. you don't own people either like mm. you you don't own people yeah, like, yeah. they're not they're not yours um and People do pass away Like God forbid I could die tomorrow Oh God forbid <laughs> God, God, God forbid really We got work to do Literally <laughs> We still gotta get rich We got work to do But like People really do pass Like And one of my fears Is it just Sometimes it feels like It's just getting closer And closer to home Because mm. even my neighbour Last just like, Sorry I keep saying last I think it was last month Or two weeks ago My mum mom called me in tears And I'm already shocked Because I'm like Who is it? Mm. And it's like, oh, it's your neighbor. Then it's like, okay, is it my brother next? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. they were so close in Asian. They literally, they're kind of like twins. They grew up together. They kind mm. of even look alike. Mm. And it's like, that could have been my brother. Yeah. yeah. But it's not. I feel like just missed. Yeah. Um, and the anxiety of like losing somebody. Like, how do, you know, I'm sure every time your mom has health issues, you're triggered. It's on the, on my mind all the time. Yeah. Like, being aware of death is really sad because mm. it means that you there's there's like a dark cloud a little lingering over everything yeah, somewhat yeah. because you're aware of the fact that you have to be real people can die mm. so 100% when my mom has any kind of health issue even things like when my mom calls me and I don't answer even if I'm busy yeah. rather than sometimes it's that I just can't be able to talk <laughs> but sometimes I'm busy I will look at my phone and be like She's going to die someday. Yeah. How can you not answer the phone? And I always think every single thing that happens, I think, follow the day is going to come that you're going to regret your whole life for not answering the phone. Yeah. Because you still can answer the Mm -hmm. phone. What the hell are you doing? And then I plague myself with all this guilt. And it's it's just, nothing is isolated. Nothing. Yeah. It affects literally every single thing. You do and every thought process. I think we've got to that age as well where we're we're aware that like our parents are old. Yeah. Or older. Older, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. you it's like you now have a duty to see them. Yeah. It's not really their way around because they're quite stagnant. Yeah. So they have all the time in the world exactly. for you. To some so kind you have of to fit them Yeah. In. When my mom calls me, I'm always like, I need to answer. Yeah. Because and it, I saw this 
somebody said on the podcast once, they were like, if you see your parents like twice, twice a year and they have 10 years left to live. I saw like 20, that. And I was like, yeah. I do see more more often than that, but not enough. I saw as that, I should. Yeah. But it, it's, it's so conflicting because I think in this country, we're so consumed by other things, mm. things that are going on in so life. So much pressure. We don't do. live in a com- small community. Mom's yeah, man. You have to work every day. <laughs> and then your weekends are your moments to be free. Yeah. And you, you can't use one of the two days to see your mom. Yeah, exactly. It's hard. It's so hard. And like, even with the housing crisis, you have to even move out of London. Exactly. You <laughs> so might have to move far away. away from yeah. your family. It's so, it's really, really difficult. You have to give yourself allowance to be human because we can't do it all. We actually can't. Yeah. But I know that guilt. I think my nan was such a hardworking person. And I always told myself, like, I'm going to um, paint her nails for her. Oh. It's just, and I just never done it. Oh. Yeah. And I just, it always plays in my mind. I was like, why did I not paint her nails when she, when she was there. Um, yeah. And little things like getting married and having children. I was like, oh, I'm going to show her. Mm. I'm going to show her. I remember I graduated. She was, that's when my health started to deteriorate. And she was in a wheelchair and she was at the front. And I've never seen this woman clap so hard wow. in my life. Like, Aww. she was, when someone's rooting for you. Yeah. Like, rooting for you. And I think even now, like, when I'm going through things and I'm trying to, like, strive for better things, I just think, I'm gonna help you out. Yeah. Like I'm gonna or help you out. Sorry, I'm gonna do it for you. Yeah. Um that's such a good driver. Yeah. And I think I've gone to that phase with my dad as well. Like before I used to be like, I wish you could see this, but also now I'm a bit more like, you would be so proud. And you are yeah. so proud. Yeah. Where where you're what you're watching from, <coughs> you are so proud because I know there are certain things that my dad like wished for us. Mm. That we really are achieving now yeah, Or have achieved And It's sad as hell That he can't see it To be able to experience Because For him a lot of the things That he, he felt Or wanted for us Were just dreams mm. They were literally dreams That he would tell us In the form of stories That when you're older You're <laughs> going to be like this And you're going to do this And I can't wait to do this And you know sometimes I, I'll never forget My dad always used to say to me My dad didn't really My dad drank a little bit My dad would drink like Guinness mm. And Oh Guinness <laughs> Yeah And once in a while Hennessy, mm. a little bit. She's on the rocks. Not even on the rocks. Oh. Clean. <laughs> and he would always, he would always, yeah. My dad was actually crazy to be honest. When I was like, from the age of like seven, my dad would drink Hennessy and leave me like, let's say five milliliters, <laughs> and say, here, have that. And I would sip that five mil, yeah, for the whole <laughs> evening. It tasted like ass. It was disgusting. But I would be sipping it because I'm like, this is an adult drink. <laughs> but that would come out three hours later and I'm still there. <laughs> One tiny sip. Um, but my dad always used to make a joke like, oh, you see how I don't drink now? When you're older, when you you're- better be ready to be getting phone calls from me saying, I'm at the pub, fella. I'm wasted. <laughs> Come and get me and carry me home in your car. And I'm like, Dad, I'm not going to do that for you. If you're drunk, you better get a cab. I'm not getting you. You, you will pick me up. I'll tell you, even if it's 3 a.m., I'll say, Come and carry me home. And you have to do it. Like little silly things like that of like the dynamic that he would be excited about for when mm, we're older. For the future. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it's, it makes me sad But then at the same time I'm like Well you're seeing it mm. You're definitely still How often do you think You think about your dad? Probably every day mm. I don't think there's a day That goes by That he doesn't come to mind In some capacity mm. what, are the, what are the sort of things That you, you think of? 
it would be it could be anything from like these bigger things of like I wish you could see this. Yeah. To like a reminder of like um something that he used to like. Okay. And yeah. seeing it and being like, ah. Oh. Yeah. Like, I don't know, it can I can it can even be like a traditional wedding that I've seen on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, I remember when my dad used to dress up with my mom and they'd wear the matching. <laughs> and oh, wow. Then I think of my wedding. And I'm like, oh, it's not going to be there. Yeah. Like, it can be anything. Yeah. It can even be seeing uncles. Like, when I go out mm. and I go to, like, anywhere that I see an uncle. If I see an uncle on the bus. It's your dad. That's my dad. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. And I treat that man with so much respect because I'm like, you're my dad in my <laughs> head. <laughs> and I guess that's kind of what brings up around a lot of pain as well. It's the comparison of, like, having something and now not having it yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of grief actually comes from thinking about your future yeah um, i know we speak about that a lot in terms of like breakups and stuff yeah um it's kind of like you you had this thing and even when you had it you kind of took it for granted yeah yeah and then now you don't have it and you know you're never gonna kind of have it mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. well yeah you're mourning the future yeah you're yeah. literally mourning the future yeah and it's sad when you've built your whole life on like the idea of something Happening in your future That's something that I'm dealing with In general Like Mm. loads of things That I was sure Would happen for me And having to accept That they might not Mm. That is A whole different Type of mourning Mm. Like it's Really Hard Mm. Um, There's one other Of the One of More of the phases So the the rest of the phases Are um, Bargaining for hope Mm. So like This is a cycle of breakups as well Oh really? Yeah yeah Oh yeah it is, it is So they yeah. say that it's um, They they consider a breakup Grieving in the same sense It is yeah, yeah, it's, it really And it really is, is yeah. yeah Um, So bargaining for What ifs And like Dealing with guilt Um. Blah, 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 blah. So yeah This part I found interesting Because It was talking about How guilt might be An accompanying emotion During this stage Because you're inadvertently trying to regain some control, mm. even if it's at your own expense. Um, and then the next stage is like depression, not mental health, uh, like diagnosed yeah. depression, just like intense sadness. And <coughs> then the last stage is acceptance. Um, but I found the stage of like trying to make sense of things um, and being very logical about mm. things Really interesting mm. Because that's definitely something I went through Like I think I, I cut off my mourning process At a certain point It happened in September My dad passed away in September By December I had signed up for a half marathon I remember the to, half marathon <laughs> <laughs> To raise money for beating bowel cancer <laughs> I hadn't been mourning for two months yeah. and I was training for a half marathon. <laughs> what the hell was I doing? But I did that because um, I wanted to take control Wait, again. I thought it was even earlier, you know. What do you mean? The half marathon. Oh, you signed no, up. I signed Sorry, up you signed in up. December, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah, two yeah. months later God, yeah. that I signed up. Um, and it's because I wanted to regain control. And so at that point, what I said to myself was, follow Logic Yeah Let's get into our logic yeah. And I guess you're re-channeling That kind of sorrow. Energy yeah. yeah And I'd spent so much time Being so intensely sad that, that I remember actually Another thing That was interesting That I still think about That happened Was um, I stopped speaking mm. So there was maybe like Two days I did not speak And I, I I was thinking the whole time Saying 
Whoa, open your mouth. <laughs> Say something. What are you doing? Speak. <laughs> Not one word could come out. And everyone was like, are you all right? Yeah. Follow if you've got something to say, say it. And I was just looking at them. And I was mm. thinking, this is so interesting. And I started thinking of, um, basically, I remember when I was younger, there was a film. I don't remember what film it was. Matilda? The, anyway, there was a film that I saw that there was a young girl who her mom died and she stopped speaking. And you know, that's the thing mm. that happens to children. Like, with they, trauma, yeah. With trauma. Um, Maya Angelou speaks about that. Yes. She, when she got raped, I think. She yeah. yeah. Yeah, It's very common with yeah. PTSD. Before that experience, I was like, how the hell does that happen? That you just can't speak anymore. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Open your mouth, man. When it happens to me, I said, oh. And the whole time I was thinking, wow. So this is what happens to them. I physically could not speak. And it was like, I think it was because I had nothing to say. Mm. It was, I was distraught. The situation was shit. It was awful. My life was like it's falling apart. What do you want me to say? Yeah, there's nothing there's to say. There's nothing to say. That's how I felt at the time. And eventually I mustered up the whatever to speak. And when I did, I felt so relieved. I was like, oh, thank God. Because I started getting nervous. Like, am I just not going to speak? Am I going to be a mute again? <laughs> like, what the impossible heck? Impossible speaking. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> impossible. That would have been a nightmare. No point. Yeah. <laughs> no point. It's true. Mate, if I'm just there sitting there with no speaking. But yeah, it, that was traumatic. But... um. Getting back to what I was trying to say Of like being logical And trying to take control How I consoled myself I said I Death is inevitable mm. Yes this is your first experience of it And it's really hard And a mind fuck But It was always going to happen At some point And There is a God And if God allowed this to happen Then That means it's God's will mm. And You are a religious person And you don't believe that this life is final, there's more. Mm. You believe that this life is like some interim little game for eternal life. Now your dad has reached eternal life. Why are you sad? Yeah. Come on. Let's get on with it. And I rationalized it the hell away. Logic, logic, logic. To the point that I didn't allow myself to mourn anymore. Mm. And I was like, because it just makes sense that yeah. he's dead now. Yeah. Why would I mourn? I was going to say that. I think sometimes when people pass away, it's like, what can you practically do yeah. to kind of solve this is- issue? Yeah, yeah. It kind of feels like an issue. It's like, okay, right. Even me, like with my nana flat, right, cool. I'm gonna write, I'm gonna go to the grave. I'm gonna mm-hmm. write you a piece. Mm-hmm. That might I might that'll probably connect with you that way. Mm. I might even like get a chain with your name ingrained. That's yeah. me feeling a bit closer to you. Yeah. It's all these random gestures of like mm. healing, but I've actually processed exactly. it. Exactly. No, I haven't. This is it. At all. Yeah. <laughs> so it might be similar to you with like the whole, the marathon. Yeah. You probably wasn't even aware of what, not aware of what bowel council was, but you didn't have no connection to no, that. No, I didn't. A few months and before that. I actually found it interesting because I, I remember raising the money for them and they would like reach out to me and be like, oh, send me like educational stuff from bowel council. And I was like, I don't care. My yeah, dad's dead. <laughs> yeah. My dad is dead. I don't give a heck about all of this. And I'm even angry that he died from bowel cancer yeah. because he knew he had something wrong with him for five years. <laughs> and I would get all of them propaganda and throw it in the out the window. <laughs> I didn't give a heck. And I was raising money for them. I wasn't alive. I was and I didn't even raise the money with him because I was like, I don't care. Yeah. This is actually just for something else. Like this is for me to feel like I'm taking control again mm. and I'm being practical. <laughs> and as much as I know now that that was dumb, I'm glad that I had that phase because I do think that I needed to pick myself up out of it mm. because I was 
I was so deeply embedded in this sadness and in this like hopelessness. And you know me, hope is everything. Yeah, I know. So to lose hope was like, whoa, who am I? What am I even doing on this earth anymore? Mm. I needed something to get me out of that. And it did. And it served its purpose. And I think it was years later that I revisited it and was like, you did the even bloody process. (laughs) What do you mean? Oh, he's... He's gone to heaven now, so we don't need to mourn. <laughs> what does that even yes, mean? <laughs> yes, you do. That's so stupid. With, as humans, we just naturally get caught up with the, the physical side of a yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Like you really do, and you take well, we take every we take everybody for granted, like which is completely understandable mm-hmm. because it's like with relationships, it's transactional. Mm-hmm. You do this for, as as a parent as well. Mm-hmm. It's like you do this for me, and I'm your child, and you yeah. look after me. Yeah, exactly. Imagine, yeah. I, I mean, because he's gone to heaven, that means I can't be sad. No. You want him back. I want you back. <laughs> I need you here. Yeah. And God gave you to me at one point. Yeah. So I can be sad that God took you away, yeah. like, even if that is how I view it. Do you it. feel like it interfered with your faith at all? With your dad at passing? that time, no. Mm. Funnily enough, when Serena passed, I felt ah. my faith was rocked. Okay, yeah. Because all those things that I had to rationalize, my dad's passing... Him having lived some form of a life. Like mm. he, he was young in the grand scheme of life, of course. But mm. like I say, he had lived a life, mm. an eventful one. Um, with Serena, I couldn't console myself mm. like that. And I mm. felt like, God, what? I don't see why this had to happen. I don't get it. And until now, I don't have the answers. And I've just managed to rebuild my faith in a different way of like some things you, you will never have to it ask has to you be and you bigger. won't understand. Yeah. And that ultimately it is true. People move on to better places. I do believe that very thing in me. I don't think that this life is the end. Mm. So it still hurts. But that rocks my faith actually more than okay. my dad's passing. That's she's really young. interesting. Yeah. yeah, she's young. And like, I feel like as... Obviously, I just knew of her. She represented, she actually represented life. Literally so for someone light. to part, yeah, a light and life and a fun light. and just like, Good I feel vibes. like she had a little, um, she actually, her voice is kind of like your nieces as well. In my Yara, mind. yeah. We, yeah. We always talk about it. Oh, she really? looks like, Yara looks like her and sounds like her. Yeah. It's, it's so like, crazy. It's so just a kind of a cheeky disposition yeah. about her. Yeah. <laughs> She's, we always say that. Her and Serena is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, that it's it still kind of gives me shivers thinking about Serena's passing. And it also made me question God in another sense of like, this cancer thing. Sorry. Mm. Why is it stealing lives mm. for banter? Mm. And it's it is one of the few things in life, health-wise, that it's like it just feels so uncontrollable. And final. You have yeah. no power. Yeah. You can have all the chemo and that thing can still win. Mm. You can catch it early and it can still, like, it is a vigorous and relentless disease Mm. that is literally your body actively trying to kill you. And I question God, like, why? Mm. Why are we all having to suffer at the hands of this thing when you are here? Yeah. Fix it. (laughs) Get rid of it. But, you know, it's obviously, it's, it's, that's speaking from an emotional place. Because some things aren't to be explained and there are other things that kill people. We could say the same things about car crashes, like yeah. stop making people crash yeah, the yeah. car. Like you could say every, anything. But it it just it doesn't make it any easier still. But yeah, the cancer thing is really triggering. And my family having experienced the worst of cancer already, mm. 
it made it even more difficult with Serena because it was like, we've seen it before. We've seen what it can do. So to have the optimism as someone who's maybe newly experiencing cancer, it's not possible Mm. because you actually have seen that the worst can happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. fucked me up. I know for sure. So I think everyone had a bit of an, an energy to them of like, we're hopeful, but also we know what cancer does. <laughs> so let's not chat shit to ourselves. Like, yeah. And that made it even harder. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mourning is complicated. As it's hell. really, really hard. And I guess when you're still alive, it you kind of sometimes you have the adrenaline of like, I need to travel. I need to do this. I need mm. to do that. I need to love hard. I need to like love on people and express myself. And yeah. then the momentum kind of dies down. Yeah. And then yeah. you kind of go back into your shell. But yeah, I yeah. just think for me, I think it's so important to just tell people how you feel about them. Absolutely. Continuously. Yeah. I don't, there's not one person on this earth that I had need to have any kind of chat with to let them yeah. know that I love them because they know. Yeah. Um, and that's just how I live life. I think it's incredibly important to be, Truthful and honest and loving and just be yourself and kind of be fearless in a way. Yeah. Um, fearless in being vulnerable. Invulnerable. That is so key. Yeah. Because I think that's what holds a lot of us back and makes us ever have regrets. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. It's the only time you'll have regrets is if you held back from being vulnerable. Mm. And I think one thing that morning has taught me, and I, as much as you're, I agree with you, like. You know, we'll, we'll say all these like uh, buzzwords. Cliche. Of, of like, course. Yeah. Ah, let's love hard. <laughs> ah, speak, say you love people, all that, whatever it is. Mm. Um, and then you eventually just go back to your normal. Mm. There are certain things that you can, if you work hard enough, make a part of your normal. And you don't have to attach it to the fact that you've, you've mourned or you know what death is. Yeah, yeah. It's just generally very good to tell people how you feel. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be because of death. Yeah, become your normal. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, you shouldn't live life in fear. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Let it come from a positive place. Mm. And I love that with the people that I have lost, the stories that we have to tell, mm. the legacy that they left behind. No one in their right mind could ever question my dad's legacy. Yeah, he lives in every single one of his yeah. children. Strong <laughs> This vim that you see In all of us This uniqueness This like um, Fight for like Justice And mm-hmm. Also this Banter My dad was a clown <laughs> Like Really silly And really Really My dad wasn't one of those Stiff Nigerian men Who like Wouldn't be silly My dad would come into my room And like Wiggle his body and dance And then tickle me Like He was a clown And my silliness 100% comes from comes my dad from Like dad, so yeah. many things That he's given to his children Even things like a, The pride that he's given us mm. We're also Proud to be From our family mm. And family is So Important to us There's not a week You see me come on this pod That I'm not talking about my family Yeah, yeah that's true We're so close yeah. That came from my dad He taught us the importance of family Um Serena living for yeah, every moment. Yeah. That girl, when she was literally, she got to a point that she had to like carry her medication mm. on her back in a little backpack. Mm. And she said she couldn't, she could, she couldn't keep food down. She was going to brunch every day, <laughs> catching up with all of her Where friends. Where did they go on the last? They went on the trip, didn't they? Yeah. Um, they went away in the UK somewhere They went on a few Oh Cornwall Cornwall yeah She always I wanted to go that. to Cornwall yeah. So they went to Cornwall Well she'd been to Cornwall She always wanted to return yeah. She was an avid Major traveller Like and I don't know anyone Who travelled as much as her Yeah um, And her zest for life Till the day that she passed Is one of the most inspiring things I've ever seen in my life mm. Like 
What? You know Soldier? I've, yeah, we've got shivers. She's such a... Sh- I can't even put into words. It sounds like I'm chatting shit because yeah. everyone always has great things to say about people when they pass by. <laughs> I'm not joking. A soldier. Like I said, she was in uh, the hospital mm. and she said, I'm not staying here. Whatever you need to do to make me be able to leave and do something, even if it's only two hours a day that I can manage the strength to be outside, yeah. you better give it to me. <laughs> and they give her a cute little backpack with her oh. medication. That she would carry around, she would at some point have to have it like as a constant feed. Yeah. Other times she would just she would need to have investigations. Um, investigations. Oh my god, injections. <laughs> injections. Yeah. That my sister in law learned to give her. Wow. So that so in the morning and in the evening, if she couldn't give herself the injection, someone would have to go around to her house to make sure they give it to her, mm-hmm. so that she could seize every moment <laughs> and she did oh. and at her funeral yeah i've never been to oh well, I've, I've not been to many funerals yeah. but i can imagine that most funerals aren't like that we were crying in pain and in happiness every <laughs> the whole time we were doing shots <laughs> celebrating her life because we know that that's what she would have wanted yeah. us to do she was such a happy and blessing of a spirit to mm. have ever had in in our, all of our lives um and she's actually inspired me more than anything as far as like the way to approach life. Yeah. And I think even with the way that we mourn her till today, there's an energy of like, cry, but don't cry. Yeah. Because she would not stand for that. I remember when you was getting dressed and you was like, my dress is a bit short, but Serena, Serena would. Yeah. <laughs> Serena would co-sign. She would have said, absolutely. Where were you? Literally. She, oh, typical Serena. She wanted the dress code to be nudes and white. Yeah. She said, no one should come to my funeral in black. <laughs> what is that? And everyone looked beautiful. Yeah. And people were there in their sexy dresses. <laughs> because that's what she wanted. Like, and that zest for life, I wish I could have at least two drops of it. Because mm. I don't think I would ever spend a day sad in my life. Mm. She was so positive about her, her sickness, even her illness. Yeah. And so, so accepting. <coughs> but yeah Sorry I've spoken yeah. a lot But the no. message is just Seize life Be good As cliche as that sounds Yeah Seize every I moment I always try and do that Like I think As I said on the podcast Not last week The week before Like Obviously people prioritise Different things Don't get me wrong But I really prioritise Friendships and relationships And people mm-hmm. Like I feel like If I could just live for people I would Yeah Genuinely Um Companionship is one of the most it's important everything. things in life. Yeah. All this money and obviously we need that to survive. Yeah, but need, yeah. the main thing that feeds us as humans love. is to share your life yeah. and love. Yeah. It's so important. Mm-hmm. So important. And I'm you're desperate very for it. <laughs> you're very good at that. You're such a lover. Oh, yeah, no, I yeah. do. I do. And I don't know. It's just, I think I've experienced kind of loss in a different way. Um I guess I've, I feel like I lost my dad at a very young age. Mm. Um, and even now I fear, I fear my dad dying mm. um, because we've never really had a relationship. Well, I had a relationship, relationship, relationship sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> with him up to the age of like eight. Mm. Um, and there is a lot of anger there, but it's, I think maybe different, kind of different from, I've kind of gone through the wave of where I've been able to forgive a little bit. Okay. So I'm no longer angry. That's really good. Yeah, I'm no longer angry at all. I'm just maybe a bit hurt. Mm. Um. So I do fear him passing away. But my pride tells me that you should get in contact. Why should I? Mm. Um. So I think that's difficult. And that kind of weighs on me sometimes because like you are going to die at some point yeah. And I've waited no, The thing is I don't think about my dad like that I don't think he will reach out Or anything of the sort But 
it's I guess the guilt might live with me because I kind of suspect that he's probably in more more of a position where he needs me than I need him. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, and me being such a caring person, there is an element where I feel like I could help. Yeah. And I could perhaps solve in a way. I know I'm I understand mature enough to understand not entirely, mm. but that guilt still does weigh on me a little bit. Yeah. Um but yeah, we've we had an amazing moment maybe a couple of years ago where um we bumped into each other and like he held me tight and said how much Aww. he loved me and like I was like I Aww. thought you I didn't, didn't even think you th- thought about Aww. me I thought you forgot about me yeah. he was like, I've never forgotten about you Aww. yeah it was just crazy oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was just such a warming moment I'm like and it's interesting actually because whenever I'm going through hardship I'm like your nan loves you and your dad loves you but I know Aww. my dad can't he he hasn't got the strength to be in my life But I know he loves me Yeah Yeah, yeah. So I know That keeps you pushing I always, It's always my nan And it's always my dad And I'm like You guys have got me man And I just need to do the work uh, <laughs> Yeah It's um, so important And that's so mature of you To be aware of that Like mm. it's so, Sometimes it's circumstantial It's not that the person Doesn't yeah. love you Yeah yeah It's yeah. just that they're not Able As a man themselves. he's just not able He's yeah. not in a position And I know I understand how difficult That must be To not be able to raise your child And be the father figure that you know, he wanted to mm-hmm. be. Um, you know, people really go through shit, man. This is it. <laughs> we think we're the first people to go through things in no. life. Our parents went through shit. Yeah, so much shit. And um, you can't you can't have that guilt of being the fix. Trust me, I yeah. love fixing stuff. <laughs> yeah, but you do. There comes a point where you have to accept that you can't fix everything. You can't you can't fix your parents. Yeah. Your parents are who they are. Yeah. And it's not your responsibility to you. So yeah. if you have capacity to help, then do. But if you don't, you're not Bad or wrong yeah, for not being not, able to. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah, but yeah, I've I've had those conversations. I've had heart to hearts with my mom as well, and that's been so beautiful. Mm. So honestly, I just feel like I could leave this earth. It's kind of dark as that sounds. Not having much regrets in terms of people. Yeah, like I don't I've, think you should. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't. You I love hard. Genuinely, man. don't think I I do. Yeah, um, I have a few bit, got some bit, bit exes. <laughs> It's like this dumb bitch. What the fuck she's talking about? Shad shit. And they're definitely listening as well. No regrets, yeah? No regrets. <laughs> Genuinely, I actually have no regrets. I've said my piece. Do you no, know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm, I'm here if you need to speak. You've, not in length, because I'm never, tired. But you've never done anyone day, so <laughs> no, I've actually not that there's un, unfinished business anyway. So that's their problem. But fuck yeah. you, whoever you are. Fuck you. <laughs> Whichever ex you are. But yeah. <coughs> so do you think you ever actually visit the, your dad's grave or have you decided? Well, for now. I think I will at some point because it would feel crazy to never see yeah. it at least. Yeah. But it it does nothing for me. Like mm. the idea of it right now mm. is other than curiosity, I guess. Yeah. It does nothing. Could for even me. be like a little bit of a, a, a challenge. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that significant, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um I feel the same with I, my nan's grave, I'm definitely avoiding. Mm. Um the funeral itself, I know it didn't really feel connected. We she died during COVID. Mm. So like there were maybe like 15 people there. There was family drama, as you, you, you yeah. all know, there's always family drama going on. So not everybody attended. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I just feel like I never really said goodbye properly. Yeah. Um and it's weird, like I I get it when you're kind of standing over the the casket and it's like you it's like you even try to convince your mind that. They're in there. They're in yeah. there. Because you forget. Because yeah. to you, it's just, oh, it's just a, it's a brown coffin. Yeah. And I'm like, she's in there, you know. Exactly. She's in there. Exactly. Um, so strange. The so, people so that strange. have to carry it are the biggest Gs in the world. They'll be wobbling. 
My before, brother had to carry my dad's and Serena's. And both times I was looking at him like, how? How, how is it possible? Watching both of my brothers carry my dad, I was just like, how? Mm. Because I can barely look at this. Yeah. And you've got him on your shoulder. It's, it's hard for men. It's fucked up, man. It's hard for men. men women can't even bloody carry the, the casting, can they? No, literally. No, no. Patriarchy. You know it. But thanks. <laughs> <laughs> also, thank you, yeah? Because yeah, I don't want to be touching that. to be doing. <laughs> I always wonder how they manage that. They teach them something, but yeah. If there's like, sorry, how can I forget Yeah, Did you see the gun in? Um, what he saw the song or something? Yeah, tell me, I saw something. <laughs> so you've seen the meme of the Ghanaian men who yeah. carry the casket and they dance. They're dancing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know how Ghanaians know how to funeral. <laughs> They've oh, sold... they love. Did you see the funeral for Prince Philip in Tottenham? No, Ghanaian, the Ghanaian one. I'm yes, so... and they love the royal yeah. family. Yeah. Why does? <laughs> Why does it? <laughs> Funeral for everything. They love a funeral. Why? I mean, it's good. They know how to celebrate life, but it's like, rah, you're not celebrating a bit too much. How are you going to on my grave? But yeah, they um had to carry the car. They were carrying the casket and they were dancing and all that. And it's yeah. a meme. And they sold the meme as an NFT for $1 million. <gasps> Mad. One yeah, that's what I saw. Million. I what in the world? I was proper like, well, it was it was about time a Ghanaian got paid yeah, for all those, yeah, yeah. those dancing that they were doing at funerals. Now that is hilarious. Right, we're, we're running very late. We need to do... We uh, really have. The dating profile. Yeah. Right, let's go. So... Switch um, up of the vibe. Isn't it? <laughs> Enough of darkness. <coughs> Excuse me, I've actually done quite well. Um, right, dating profile. Do, 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 do. No, I'm I am a five foot five curvy black woman from Northwest London. Whoa, Alston in the building. Is it Alston? <laughs> Alston's in Northwest. Yeah, I hate Northwest. Mill, Mill, Hill, Mill, Mill, Will? Mill Hill, Mill Hill. Actually, no, I actually don't let him know first. Anyway, uh, anyway I currently work full-time in the fashion industry as a legal advisor. Go, girl. Nice. Um, I have a five-year-old daughter. I'm 32, by the way. And I've been off the market for a while, but I'm ready to start dating again. Why, why, why? We love it. We love it. Um, you said I enjoy swimming. Oh, we want to start we swimming. We really, yeah. yeah. Um, I enjoy swimming, trips away in the UK, and I love soca. It's carnival. Oh. Um, oh, she said, I'm so happy Carnival is back this year. Same. <laughs> um, she said, I'm looking for someone who is willing to take my child in as their own. Fair. Someone who is flexible, mature, willing to meet me in the middle and just explore and have fun. I'd prefer someone with children, but open-minded to someone who also didn't. Mm. I typically go for black men, but in the year of 2022, I do not want to limit myself. <laughs> And you shouldn't. Fair enough. Absolutely not. I've met some amazing men from other cultures at work and it's time to get a piece of the good pie. Overall, I'm looking for someone who doesn't take themselves seriously and wants to live a happy, fulfilling life together. Well, she sounds like a super, super amazing woman. Um, And if you are interested... Do let us know. Absolutely. I like the sound of her. She sounds buff and amazing. Yeah. And she probably knows how to wind her waist. Isn't it? Which is... Fire, fire, brown eyes. I love that song so much. So yes, holler at us if you're looking for some loving from some five foot five 
from a five foot five baddie. Yeah, baddie, baddie, baddie. Who, um, who has money? By the sounds of it. Yeah, she's a legal advisor in the fashion industry. Yeah. Go, girl. But yeah, today was a heavy one. Heavy, heavy, yeah. heavy. We hope you didn't cry as much as we did. Yeah. And I'm proud of you. Thank you. I'm yeah. Well. I feel like I learned a little bit more about you. Wow. Um, and I think sometimes as friends, you don't speak about things that probably affect you more than you think they do. Yeah. yeah and when yeah. you hear the story, it's like sometimes you, you're piecing things together and I'm like, I think I understand you more now. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I don't want to make a lot of assumptions, but I think I know, I think I know you more. Wow. You've read me. <laughs> I've read you like a book. <laughs> me. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. I hope this one has been helpful for you guys because we were a bit nervous to take it here, but we feel like it's also quite necessary because it's something that everyone at some point has or will experience in their life. Yeah. Um, so hopefully you don't feel as alone. Yeah. Um, and you take a spirit of taking life by the horns. Yeah. Is that the saying? You know I'm so bad at sayings. Take your... Take the take bull by the horns. Take the bull by the horns bull of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Seize every moment and then, man, um, submit your toxic thoughts. Holler at, at us for some loving from yeah. our dating profile. And... I'll bet. Do you know... Um, the outro of this song I want it to be What's that? You know, set it off What song did they say again? Not a clue Oh, oh my gosh I know what you're talking about no, When she shaves her hair Yeah, at the end Yeah And everyone gets shot And there's a song and everyone... <laughs> There was a song That I was singing earlier That was It's a two-pack song That's about death No It's this <laughs> Faith Evans And P. Diddy one What's that one called? Missing you Um. <laughs> Damn the mind's really blank. Oh. I've been singing it all day as well. What's the actual chorus? <laughs> you know what? We're taking the piss. Listen, see you next week, guys. Bye, Bye. guys. Oh, <laughs>